But I just want to get right into the word, if that's okay with, with all of you. Um, because uh, I, I just praying and saying, Holy Ghost, what do you want? You know, looking over my past sermons and messages and what the Lord has been focusing on at this season. And he's been focusing on some different things. Um, you know, we, we, I can't get into obviously all of it, repeat all of it, but there's been an emphasis on Sunday about not just asking, but laying hold, violent faith. And then we talked about, you know, that, that he's the God of the breakthrough, that we're bursting forth because of our violent faith. Remember the book of Micah chapter two, and that, that violent faith was in, in Matthew chapter 11. And so we, we talked about that. And then I got into some of the mechanics I think two Sundays ago, because my wife did a wonderful message last Sunday, a few days ago, but the Sunday before that, uh, I believe that was the 3rd of May, I started into the mechanics of violent faith, and, and uh, I want to give you eight of them, and I really only got to the first four, and the first four really are listed in this little book here that Brother Hagen wrote, How God Taught Me About Prosperity, and... Um, but there's uh, not that I'm not that it's not enough. This is enough. Praise God. Those four steps are enough. But uh, to bring uh, to bring teaching and extra and to expand the colors of the rainbow, divide them so to speak, and and just to bring a little bit more meat, I've added another four steps in addition to these four that I find very very helpful. They've been helpful to me, and so I, I was supposed to share that on the third, never got to it. And then, of course, my wife preached a glorious, glorious sermon. What a revelation, how Jesus was the stake in the watering trough. It represented his body that was, that was punctured and, and stripped and beaten and torn. And that's what he did. He tore up that piece of wood and he stuck it. Jesus was, his body was torn and he was on a piece of wood torn in, in, uh, in the cross for us. And as we, as we look at him, and as we believe on him, and as we believe that he took our poverty and our curse so that we can be blessed and healed and have all the benefits of the covenant, oh, as we do that, God will start to cause uh, increase in our lives, just like he did for Jacob, just like he did with those sheep and those goats. And if we don't have it in and of our own ability to prosper the way God wants us to, like those sheep did not have it in their DNA because they were solid, they weren't spotted or striped, or speckled, they didn't have it. And some of us don't have it, don't feel like we have it. We don't have the education, we don't have the experience, we don't have the this, we don't have that. But as you focus on what Jesus did and release your faith in your covenant, because the cross represents covenant, and as you release your faith in him, in that covenant, he will add to you even he'll add, if he could change the DNA of a sheep, he can certainly add giftings and abilities to you that you may not have. And he'll put in you what you don't have. He'll create things in you that you don't have in, in and of yourself. So to the end that you would begin to increase and prosper. Because when they had babies, those sheep and goats started to produce after the striped and the spotted and the speckled, which, is, which was the prosperity of Jacob because he could only take the ones that were striped, spotted, and speckled. He couldn't take the solid ones. That wasn't the contract that he made with his father-in-law. So God changed the DNA of a sheep to make sure his man prospered. Are you hearing that? 
God did a miracle in the life of what Jacob put his hand to, which was breeding those animals. And God did a miracle on the molecular level, level to make sure that his man prospered. Why? Because the anointing to prosper was on Jacob. Why? Because the anointing to prosper was on Abraham. And Abraham passed that blessing and that anointing to prosper down to Isaac, who laid hands and passed it down to Jacob. And Jacob had the blessing or the anointing to prosper on his life. Even while he was at Laban's, he had the anointing to prosper. And so, uh, you know, we've been, we, we, that was why I wanted her to preach it on, on Sunday because Mother's Day or not, but it was just such a powerful revelation and it goes so in line with what the Holy Ghost has been emphasizing on Sundays, which is about laying hold, being violent in your faith, bursting forward, breaking through, and then some of the mechanics. Now, I'm going to get to those other four on Sunday. I'm not going to get to them tonight because I, I, I'm going to do that on Sunday because really those other four mechanics apply both to the financial realm and the healing realm. It really applies to anything you're believing God for. But I, I said, Lord, I just said, Lord, I don't know. Uh, you know, this, I did a number of weeks here, a number of weeks talking about the end day great revival. Uh, we started off with that message a number of weeks ago about COVID uh, being the adversary, you know, when the open door, we started with that. And I read you part of Dr. Dufresne's book and we talked about a lot of things. And then I got into Judges 6 and we talked about Gideon and we read you some of the prophecies of the, of the, of the fathers gone before and talked about the last day move of God. We talked about being hungry for miracles. We talked about the book of Acts chapter 4 and how God said you've got some, you got some uh, prosperity and some generosity that is working right in the church, some unity that is working right, just like the early church in Acts 4, and you're praying a lot, which is good, but you need to pray for boldness and miracles more. So we, that's all connected to the end day great revival. So we've kind of spent time talking about that on Wednesday night for a, a number of Wednesday nights. But uh, I said, Lord, you know, that, that seems to have come to a close in my heart. I said, I don't know if there's a new series or what you want me to maybe a standalone message. I don't know what, what is, what is in your heart, Holy Spirit, because uh, you've got to put your heart in my heart. You know, I need to know the mind of the father through you so that I can tell the people what it is that you want them to hear. It's not just about preaching a sermon. It's about the right, the right message at the right time for, for, for the people. And uh, the Holy Ghost began to minister to me and said, do you see son, how there's been an emphasis? Yes. About the last day, great revival. And that's kind of, I think we've, I think I've said enough. Well, we're, we'll come back to it many times in the future, obviously, because it's something that is ahead of us that we have to keep our focus on. So it's not like we're done, never going to talk about it again. But for right now in this season, I feel like that's tied off. So that was one, that was the Wednesday night theme. But then the Lord began to deal with me and said, now, you know, on Friday nights, you've used one Monday and also Friday nights, you've been talking about this anointing to prosper. But on Sundays, you've been, you've been sharing about this aggressive faith and that, and that violent faith causes you to burst forth and break through and prosper. Then your wife was just talking about, you know, about looking at the covenant and releasing your faith in Jesus because he took it on the cross for you so that God can put in you what you don't have so that you prosper. So there's been an emphasis both on Fridays and Sundays to some measure about faith, but also as it relates to prosperity. And the Lord has done that, my brother and sister, not me. I know some of you might think, Pastor Craig sat down and he, he stroked his wise beard. And he sat there 
And he thought to himself, well, what would be a good idea to do during a financial emergency? Maybe we should talk about prosperity because where there's a financial crisis and that would make logical sense. I don't do that. I really honestly don't do that. And not one hair of a decision was made to teach on the anointing to prosper because of COVID-19. In my mind, I didn't, I wasn't making that connection. I wasn't planning something because of what's happening around us. I just got into the spirit because began to pray in the Holy Ghost, said, Spirit of God, show me what is the right message. And most of the time, I think it's just going to be a a single standalone one sermon and we're done. Many times the Lord shows me, I I realize after the fact that it's a series that he's building a building and building upon one after one's message after the next and can sometimes take, you know, weeks or even months, depending on how much the Holy Ghost once said. But I don't plan talking about prosperity because COVID-19 is hitting people's finances. I, I, I swear on the Bible, to you. I don't like to say that, but you know what I mean? I, I'm giving you my word, hand on the Bible. I, was, I did not make that natural, rational decision. I got in the spirit and I began to pray and out of my spirit, out of my spirit, I heard these words, the anointing is on you to prosper. And if the anointing is on you to prosper, the anointing is on the congregation to prosper. So start talking about the anointing to prosper. Start telling them to meditate on the anointing to prosper. Start telling them to confess the anointing is on me to prosper. And then remember from Micah 2, we added, this is my Hebron year. The anointing is on me to prosper and I'm breaking through. So we added that breakthrough thing because that aggressive faith causes a bursting forth and a breaking through. And Jesus, the breakthrough, capital B, has gone ahead of us through the gate. The Bible says the king is at our head and the Lord has gone before us. Glory to God. But there's been an emphasis the Holy Ghost has placed, not me. I'm just the delivery boy. There's an emphasis the Holy Ghost has placed in recent weeks, both Fridays and Sundays. Although I'm coming at it from different angles, but there's still basically the core of it is the same. God is but an emphasis on there's I want my people to prosper obviously he wants us to prosper health-wise he wants us to prosper in our minds and in our souls in fact you can't prosper naturally unless you're prospering in your soul according to third John 2 but but there's other areas of prosperity but there's been an emphasis the Holy Ghost has placed about material financial prosperity and increase that he desires this one of the reasons is just because he loves you and he wants you blessed and he wants your needs and desires met and taken care of that's one that's the, that's one reason another reason is that the vision at promise of life as an apostolic church calls for more and the more requires more money and the more money is going to come from people in the congregation prospering praise God so there is a he wants you blessed just because he loves you and he wants the vision of this apostolic church to be fulfilled which is going to take extra money which is going to take you to be extra blessed so that you don't hoard it and just waste it or just spend it on your own desires, but that you are generous in your tithing and your giving. So there's there's a desire. He wants you blessed just because he loves you and he wants you blessed because of the vision that he has put in your heart, that he has put in my heart and in your heart because you're part of my church and you and you yield to the vision that God has given me. And it's not just in my heart, but it gets into your heart too. So the vision that is in my heart and in your heart, he wants to see that come to pass in the earth. He wants to see it and he knows it doesn't happen. For, it does. The vision's free, but the vision costs something to fulfill. It costs money to execute. So God is interested in me being blessed because he loves 
loves me, you being blessed because he loves you, and, and, and he wants us to live nice and well, and, and not, not excessively and, and wastefully, but he wants us to live well. He doesn't want us worrying about where we're getting money for food or where we're getting money for a mortgage payment. In fact, he doesn't even want us to have a mortgage payment. We may start there, but eventually he wants us so blessed that we own things free and clear, because that's the highest flow. Just like when you, when you, he doesn't want you taking uh, medicine necessarily, the highest flow is receiving 100% healing from the power of God because of the cross. But not all of us are at that highest flow. And he doesn't mind you taking some medicine to help you along as your faith builds and builds and builds because you'll get to the day where you won't need the medicine because your faith takes that healing 100%. It's the same with finances. And that's how Pastor Nancy showed it to me and taught me once at a table when I was sitting with her. And she really helped me because some ministers teach that you shouldn't borrow money. And, and, and I, I believe that. I mean, I, I'm in agreement. I know Jerry Savelle believes that. I know Brother Copeland believes that. And they're, they're right according to the highest level, the highest flow of God's word. Now, the Bible doesn't say it's sin to borrow money. It just said the best and the highest is not to do that. It's not to do that. Okay, he said, I'll make you, a, I'll make you a, a lender to many nations and you'll not borrow. That's part of the covenant blessing. But that doesn't mean just because it's God's highest and Pastor Nancy brought balance to me. She said, Pastor Craig, just because it's God's highest for you not to borrow doesn't mean it's a sin for you to borrow. Just like it's not God's highest for you to take Tylenol or medicine for your cholesterol or medicine for this or that. That's not God's highest, but it's not sin to take Tylenol. But as we build our faith, we'll get to the point where we don't need the Tylenol because our faith is taking it without the help of medicine. And as we, we can borrow if we need to, as our faith grows, and then praise God, as our faith gets higher, then we'll get to the place where we don't need to borrow because our faith has laid hold of it and we can pay cash. Do you understand? So it's not, it's not a sin to borrow, but it's not God's highest. It's just like it's not, it's not a sin to take medicine, but it's not God's highest. But it's better that you take medicine and get through the problem as opposed to dying prematurely. And it's better to borrow and get a house and get and start building some, gaining some equity. If that's the way that God's eating you, which is a wise way, it's better to do that than, than never have, never own anything because you've got this idea that I, I only have to, I, if I don't, can't pay for it cash, then I'm not going to have it. Well, it could take you a heck of a lot longer. And, and, and then all that time that you could have been building equity, you, you don't necessarily have that. So you've got to use wisdom. There's nothing wrong with saying, I'll never borrow again. Just make sure your measure of faith can match that. Make sure there's a joy and peace about that. Don't just make that decision because another minister made that decision because your measure of faith may not quite be there. Just like you don't make the decision, I'll never take the medicine again, you've got to make sure your, your measure of faith is there. doesn't matter that another minister didn't take the medication. Your faith may not be where their faith is and you may need it and it's better to take it and live than not take it and have health problems and it's better to borrow the money and have what you need than it is not to borrow the money and live in squalor so there's got to be a balance here to how we interpret the bible but we always have our goal and our eye on the highest and the best flow and that best flow is no medicine because god is our source our health our healer and we receive that with our faith every time for every situation. But that's a goal to attain to. You're not all there right now. And the same goal financially. This is our goal, that we never have to borrow money again, that we have cash to pay for everything, big or small. That's our faith goal. You may not be there right now, but it's our goal. It's a journey. We're going to get there if we stay faithful. Amen. 
So the Lord started to deal with me and say, I've been talking to you about this anointing to prosper, and I've been, you've been preaching to the congregation about the anointing to prosper, and that we're in a new season called Hebron, and this season I expect there to be prosperity. Kind of ironic that he's speaking about this. Listen, if there was no COVID-19, we'd be preaching about this in the church right now anyway because that's what the Spirit of God has assigned for our congregation to hear. It's a Hebron message. It just so happens that, that COVID-19 is happening at the same time, and you're not here, but, I, but you're watching by a camera. But God is not moved by what the devil's got working in the earth and what the devil's got planned. The same message that he intended to come out is still going to come out, whether there's an interruption by the devil or not, whether there's a pressure on people's mind or not, whether there's an interruption in financial globally or not. This is the same message I would be preaching to you if you were in the seats, and it's the same message that I'm preaching to you over camera because I haven't chosen messages based on COVID. The Holy Ghost has chosen messages based on Hebron. Do you understand the difference? And this message is for this season. It matters not that COVID has happened. The message is still for the season. And I love the fact that God doesn't back up. God is not afraid. God has not backed away from the strength of this message about increase and the anointing to prosper just because there's financial crisis. If, if there was ever a time for God to back up, he would have backed up now. But God is plowing forward, moving forward with the same intensity as he would have had COVID never even happened. He is going to say the same thing regardless of what the earth is experiencing because God does not make decisions from heaven about the little piddly things happening on earth. God makes decisions based on his perfect will. So even though we're in a unique season, this mess, these messages were not because of this season. They're because of Hebron. And we would have been in Hebron regardless of COVID-19, whether it came or not. We're in Hebron anyway, because it's 2020. God is not backing up and having me change things, and he's not changing his mind. He's saying, Craig, you preach the same thing. Promise of Life Congregation, you hear the same thing. Whether you are in the seats or not in the seats, whether it's COVID or not COVID, this message is for the season of Hebron, and I'm not backing up and making you wait now till for a few months till everybody comes back together. No, it must be spoken now, and the people must receive it now. Now, and the people must live it now and speak it now and believe it now and start executing it now. It doesn't matter that we're not meeting in person and it doesn't matter what's happening in the news. God is higher than that. His ways are above that. This message is for Hebron and it's for now. And that is why God has been emphasizing it because you need to meditate on it. This is not just a little spike. This is not just a little, a little oh, that's my favorite sermon. So let me just focus on that. And we just kind of like, like you know, this is not something where I've just got favorites and it's my favorite message, so I'll preach it because I'm bored or I, I don't know what else to say. That's not how this baby works. This baby works that God says do it. Whether I like this message or not, whether it's my favorite message or not, if God says this is what I want you to emphasize for this season, then that's my assignment and I don't argue with him. And I, you know, we, we're still continuing this on Sundays. I'm talking more on the faith side, but we're still generally, it's still all kind of connected. And I thought, Lord, then maybe there's something else that you want me to talk on you know, on a Wednesday for, for tonight, maybe next week or whatever. I just kind of take one week at a time. I I thought, well, maybe there's something else because we're already kind of, we've already hammered this a lot on Fridays and we've been hammering it on Sunday. 
Maybe there's some other subject material that you'd like the people to hear because there's so much in the Bible that you need to learn. And it's not all just about prosperity. There's so much out there. There's so much in the word for us to study together. And so I said, Lord, you know, I kind of expected him to say, yeah, enough on, enough on that. I want you to start teaching in this direction or teaching on this new subject. I kind of expected that today when I was praying. I really, it surprised me a little bit, but I heard the Holy Ghost just as clear as a bell in my spirit say, I've been, you haven't just been preaching sermons, son. I've been communicating through you to the congregation at this time, not because of COVID, but because it's the message for the season of Hebron and you are not done talking about it and the people are not done hearing it because it hasn't sunk in deep enough with most of them yet. That's what he said to me. It hasn't sunk into your hearts deep enough yet. What does that mean? The word, the seed of the word has not taken root in your soil of your heart strong enough yet. And if it, and if it's too shallow, remember what Mark four teaches, if it's too shallow, first of all, if it doesn't, if you don't even let it go in your heart, the devil will just steal it. That's the, the, that's the, that's the hard ground. But if it gets into your heart, but there's rocks there and it's shallow, you'll get excited for a second. But the moment persecution for the word shows up, the moment some problem shows up, you cast away your confidence. You'll forget what I preached as fast as I preached it. And all of a sudden, this whole revelation that God wants me blesses out the window because it's able to be uprooted because it was shallow with a bunch of rocks there. And then some of other you, that, that, you may, that may not be your issue, you may, you may have some depth of soil. It might really be taking root, but the of this world, the lust of other things, the deceitfulness of riches, these distractions in the world, and all this kind of stuff starts to cloud like thorns and thistles, and it starts to cloud and, and, and mix with the word, and it starts, the Bible says, to choke the word. And you are excited, not just short, because the, the second category with the rocks, you were excited, but then you cast it away when persecution came. But some of you have passed the persecution test. You are excited, and it's got depth, and it's taken root, and persecution is not... Is not stopping you, but there's another problem. Distractions, the lust of things, putting things and material stuff before God, having a love for money instead of a love for God, having a deceitfulness of riches where you think that's your answer, money's your answer. Instead, God and faith is your answer. Money's only a tool. You can have that depth and that solidity and, and not be casting it away because of persecution, but now other things are mixing. Distractions are mixing. The, 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 a wrong attitude about money, a covetous attitude, a deceitful attitude about money and the lust of other things and the cares and the worries of this world. And there's a lot of worries in the world right now. All of that stuff, you might have it, but it's coming in and it's twisting with the word. And the Bible says it chokes the word and the word will not affect, the word will not bring forth fruit. So some of you maybe didn't get it at all. And I know some of you are in that category because you religiously listen, but you don't open your heart. You don't incline your ear. And it comes in one ear and goes out the other ear. And if I were to ask you, if somebody paid you $1,000, tell me what the pastor preached. Give me three points what he preached. You'd lose $1,000 because you truly don't listen. And some of you are guilty of that. And you need to stop that. Don't just tune in or show up here in person religiously because it's your duty. Come with a hungry heart or the word will never produce for you. Now, some of you are, are real excited. Oh, God, God, just like, just like Carter Greer, whatever her name is, Granny Greer, you know, and you've got the go glory. You've got your moo-moo wagon. You're all excited. Glory, yeah, I love it. God wants me blessed. And the first bill you get, the first little trouble that you have, 
The first little downturn in the economy, the first bit of this persecution, that persecution, the first family member that says, oh, you one of those crazy people. Oh, you just, you were all excited. Then you cast it away. Now you don't even remember what I said. Now you don't even like what I said. That's not me. It's what God said. And then some of you not like that. You might not be hollering and screaming. You may not be as emotional, but I mean, it went into you, man. I mean, this is, this is in you and it's deep and it's taken hold. And I'm, you're like, my, I'm not like those other two folk. I, I, I got this. I'm excited about this, but I've got some depth to me, not just emotion. I've got some depth to me about this. This message is working. I'm confessing it. I'm believing it. But all of a sudden, worry, that's the cares of the world, worry, Worry will choke that revelation or deceitfulness of riches or the lust of other things. A wrong attitude about money, a covetous attitude about money will choke that revelation. And now your motives become impure and you're worried and afraid. See, that thorny ground is because of motives and fear, worry, care, concern. And those two things will destroy this revelation. And some of you've got depth, but you're not dealing with the thought of fear and worry and concern. You're not casting it and you're not keeping your motive pure when it comes to increase. God wants you blessed, but he doesn't want you blessed more than you want him. It can't just be about increase and in money. It's got to be a deep love for him. It's got to be, Lord, make me a conduit. Take care of my needs and my wants. Give me the nice things that I like. But Lord, I don't just want it about me. I want to be a conduit. Use me. Let me sow bigger offerings. Let me buy things for Africa. Let me buy little children things for the orphanage in Africa. Use me, Father. Use me mightily. Bless my socks off. And yes, I'll have some nice stuff in my life, but use me as a conduit to get that to these precious people that need to hear the gospel. See, you got to keep your motive right and you can't let worry come in. And some of you, you love the message and it's gone into deep soil and it's taken root, but this other stuff's choking it and you got to deal with it. So that's what the Lord said to me. It hasn't gone deep enough to bear fruit in, in many of them. Some of you, I believe it's gone down. It's not on the surface. You've taken it. It's not shallow and you're not just emotional. It's taken root and you've kept your motives pure and you've kept your worry clean out of your life. Worry's gone. And so you really are the fourth kind. It is deep, rich, black soil. And the beautiful seed of the word of the incorruptible seed of the word has gone in and it's beginning to bear fruit. And you're excited and you're confessing and you're actually seeing it come to pass with your eyes. Oh, but even you who are like that, you still need to hear it because as I preach it to you, the seed might have gone in, but now I'm watering the seed with the word. Some of you, the seed didn't even get in right, so I have to plant the seed of the word. Others of you, the seed is in, but it needs to be watered with the word. So no matter what category you're in, you need to hear more preaching under the direction and the anointing of the spirit about the subject so that it plants the seed strong and then waters the seed strong so that it can come up, germinate, break through the surface of the soil and bear fruit. So no matter what category you're in, you need to hear this. And this is not my decision because I personally thought that God would have me move on. But he said there are some, there are many, that this has not gone deep enough in them yet. And if you just move on, they will lose out because the devil is after that word. He's, a, he's after he, the first three kinds of soil the word does not produce. It's only the last kind of soil that the word produces. 
Now, I know that Dr. Dufresne would say that one quarter, 25% only are, are, are good dirt and the rest don't produce. But, but there's nothing that, and that's true on an average, an average, that's true. But I'm not believing for those stats and promise of life. I'm not believing that out of my uh, 300, whatever, 50, whatever it is, adult congregation, I'm not believing that only 25% of you are getting this. No, 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 no. I believe that all of you are 25% dirt because you're here. Maybe folks out there, only 25% of them on the radio or here or there will, will actually follow through and, and take it. But this church is filled with people that are 25% dirt. I really believe that. Now, some of you, you, you're struggling a bit because you're edging over into the thorny ground or you're edging over into the stony ground or maybe you're even... Uh, that dense that you're still in the, the hard ground hasn't even broken through. Some of you are maybe a little bit like that, but I believe that all of you in, 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 your, in your heart, you want to be 25% dirt. The reason that you're at my church is because you see that I'm 25% dirt and you believe that you have the potential of meeting God's standard and criteria of Mark 4 to be 25% dirt. So I'm believing that everybody in this church is, is, is either there or is on their way rapidly approaching 25% dirt, praise God, meaning that you take it, your motives are pure, your, the fear and the worry is dealt with, your persecution and emotionalism is dealt with, and, 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 and the hardness of your heart that doesn't even receive the word obviously is dealt with, and that you find yourself hungry for the word, receiving the word, it bearing fruit, and of course, I just keep watering it. I just keep watering it. So I believe that all of you have that potential. I believe that all of you are speedily headed to that fourth kind of dirt. But some of you may be taking a little bit longer than others. But every one of us are on our own unique journey with God. But just, just I'm saying this to you because God said to me, you, you're not done. You might be done. Actually, what he said to me was, you might be done, son. But I'm not done talking to promise of life about the anointing to prosper. I said, well, Lord, I'm not done like I don't enjoy it. I just know there's so many other subjects in the Bible. Maybe you want us to teach something else. You might be done, son. But I am not done talking about this subject of the anointing to prosper to promise of life congregation. That's how he said it to me. Because it has not gone deep enough in many of their hearts. And this is a message for Hebron. It's got nothing to do with COVID. It's a message for Hebron that must be preached regardless of what is happening in society at present. So because it's the right message for the season. And because not all of you have it deep enough. And because I might be willing to move on, God is not willing to move on because he's not finished talking. So because of those reasons, I continue my message this evening on the anointing to prosper. And I believe it will be a help to you because you need to continue meditating because this is what the Holy Ghost wants to communicate. Praise God. Now, there's, I'm not going to get through all, but I want to just do some meditation with you tonight. Uh, not meditation, you know, like the, like the Far East <laughs> meditation. We're not humming and sitting like a, you know, we don't do that kind of nonsense. We don't, that's demonic. When we say meditation, we're not talking about that kind of meditation. We're talking about meditating on the Word. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, Joshua 1, 8, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou may, may, mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, then you will make your way, then you will make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. So that was one of my verses to read to you tonight. Joshua, I quoted it, but Joshua 1, 8, we see it is God's desire for people to prosper and have good success. Now listen, I have to back it up. I'll get as far as I can and then I'll pick it up. 
And unless God tells me differently, I'm picking it up on Friday. Okay, because at this point, that's just, this is just the assignment that we need until it's, God says, okay, enough. I have to just keep going on this and don't get weary with me. Bible to Paul said to them in, I believe it's a Philippians chapter three. He said, for me to repeat the same thing to you, if it's not grievous to me, it should not be irksome to you. In other words, and then he says, it's for your safety that I'm saying these things. In fact, I can see some of you don't believe me that you don't think that the Bible says that. So just have a look quickly at Philippians chapter three, Philippians chapter three, praise the Lord. Is it three, brother? I know it's somewhere here. Yeah, three verse one. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To me indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. So what he's saying here is I have to repeat some stuff to you, Philippine, the Philippine church, and just because I'm repeating it doesn't mean that it's gre- It's not annoying for me to keep saying it, but it is for your safety that I say it. In other words, you need to hear it. And when God comes that clear to me and say, you may be done, Craig, but I'm not done. I'm not done talking to a congregation about this. So are you going to do what you want or are you going to do what I want? I said, sir, I'm doing what you want. I'm your, I'm, I'm your boy. I'm your mouthpiece. I'm your spokesperson. I don't have an opinion about this. You tell me, I preach it. And he said, now you keep talking about it until I tell you it's done because it hasn't gone deep enough in many of them yet. That's referring to the Mark IV soil. And it's the message for the season of Hebron. It's not just a COVID-19 emphasis. It's for the season. Okay, let me read that to you from the Passion. It says... Uh, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 1. It says, I don't mind repeating what I've already written to you because it protects you. I don't mind repeating what I've already taught you or written to you because it protects you. See, the King James says it's for your safety. So God sometimes repeats stuff because it keeps us safe until we really, really get it. Praise God. He doesn't have to keep repeating it because we got it and we're, and we're holding on to it. But while it might not be that strong in us, it has to be repeated and repeated and repeated. It doesn't get boring. Don't come to church for, to, be, to have always something so exciting. Come to church for the word. Whatever the Holy Ghost wants to emphasize in the word to you, whether it's a repeat or not a repeat, it's for your safety. Praise God. And we got we to gotta watch that we don't have this ear tickling nonsense where we always want some high newfangled thing. That's dangerous. You start doing that, now you'll start looking in wrong areas and you'll start lapping up and eating up things that are not doctrinally safe because you want something ear tickling and ear tingling. And that's a very dangerous place to be. You'll come into error and you'll come into demonic power when you do that. I'm not saying that we don't. Listen, Sunday was a perfect example. That was fresh revelation from heaven. That was fresh out of the oven of heaven. I've never heard anybody preach that before. I've never preached it before. God revealed a beautiful, beautiful revelation from the word to through my wife to our congregation. That was fresh revelation. But, but you can't always come here thinking that it's always going to be the exact fresh thing that you've never heard before and you're just going to be shouting and hollering. Some services are like that, but many services are Philippians 3.1 services where he, we are, God is repeating and reemphasizing and reinforcing things. Why? For our safety. So get to, get to be grateful for all the flows of God, the brand new fresh stuff that you've never heard before and the repeating stuff that you have heard. I remember with Dad Hagen, when he would start talking about those old stories that I'd heard a hundred times, I, there was something about me that was always happy because I thought 
he's saying it, it's for my safety. I don't need something fresh and newfangled. I need the word and I'm going to get something new and I'm going to hear something new that I never got the first time he preached this and every time it would happen. Same with Dr. Dufresne. He would repeat stories many times, but I always got another impartation. I always got another nugget because my heart didn't turn off. My heart didn't shut down just because I thought I had heard it. That's pride. My heart stayed humble and hungry. Lord, I got more to hear. If he wants to repeat it, bring it on. I got more to hear. I got more to learn. And because my heart was right and my heart was humble and my heart was hungry, God always downloaded more to me. And that's, that's what we've got to have, my brothers and sisters. Then you'll always enjoy, look forward to come to church. You won't always be expecting something brand new, but you'll always be getting new revelation, fresh revelation from God in your heart. But it might have been a message that you already heard, but God was downloading another angle of it to you. Praise God. Let's, let's keep safe. So the Bible says these things now. Um, so in saying all of that, I'm saying all that so that you understand that I'm not trying to harp on a subject and, and, and do an overkill because I'm happy to move on. But God told me you don't dare to move on until I tell you the people haven't heard enough yet. That hasn't gone down deep enough into them yet. And so I said, well, Lord, how, how, what else do you want me to say? What other angle do you want me to start with? Because I, and he started giving me some scriptures. So let me tell you two things. He said to me when I said, well, Lord, okay, I'll keep talking about it as long as you want. Maybe another one day, maybe another two services, maybe another three services. I don't know, but I'll just do it for as long until you release me because the people obviously need to hear it. So that was the first thing I had to get that right with God. I had to yield my vessel to say that I'd do what he wanted. Okay. The second thing is I said, Lord, I don't know what you more you want me to say about it. So you've got to give me, tell me what to do. And so God started giving me some scriptures and he said, now they need to just meditate on the word and they need to do this, meditate on the word of what I say about prosperity. If, because if they, this is the third thing and this is important. He said to me, if they don't believe that I want them prospered, then it doesn't almost matter how much you preach. The seed will never go into the deep soil. It will always stay on the surface because something in their mind, their religious thinking has convinced them. Like that precious couple on the radio I told you about a couple weeks ago. Uh, some of you might have had that kind of teaching growing up that poverty is holy and that God, God, it's a sin to want nice things in life and that God doesn't want you materially and financially blessed. That's false doctrine from hell. It's, it's a demonic revelation. It's not God's revelation. But some of you might have had that. Now, if you, listen, if, if you don't deal with this area in your life first, it don't matter how much preaching I do or how much word I give you, if you don't believe in your heart that God truly wants you blessed, then nothing, everything else is skewed. Nothing else is really going to work because no matter what I say and no matter how much I preach and how much the anointing is on it and how many scriptures I give you, you'll always, something in the back of your mind will always come back to, well, that's good for him, but I don't really know if God wants me blessed. Some of you maybe don't believe God wants anybody blessed, but hopefully the word of God is renewing your mind on that. But some of you might have accepted now with the renewed thought process, yeah, God wants us blessed and God doesn't mind Pastor Craig blessed because Pastor Craig is a pastor. And God doesn't mind Taylor blessed because he uh, looks amazing in sweaters. And God doesn't necessarily mind Peter blessed because he's got wonderful teeth and a wonderful beard. And God doesn't necessarily mind Pastor Jenny being blessed because she's pastor's wife and she's beautiful. But God has, I don't know if God wants me blessed. 
because I, I, I've messed up in my life and I've made mistakes. And, and I'm not sure that I'm worthy of that and I'm not sure I deserve that. And so don't matter about anything else I preach. If you don't believe that God wants you blessed, not just blessed in general people, but that you particularly, he has his eye on you. He loves you. You're the, you're the, you're the, 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 you're the apple of his eye. And he loves you and he wants to bless and to prosper you more than you'll ever want it. He wants it. Until you get that revelation, nothing else that is taught will start to sink in. Because you've got to first accept the fact and believe the fact that God loves you and that he wants you blessed. That he's not happy when you're poor and when you can't make ends meet and when, you're, when you really do have to do coupon cutting because you can't afford the item if you don't cut the coupon. Listen, I'm not making fun. I'm not making fun at all. My heart breaks because I know there's some people in that category. But, but if you, until you truly believe that God wants this for you, not just, some people don't believe God wants it for anybody, like that couple on the radio. So you've got to first renew your mind on that level to at least believe that God wants some people blessed. Now, once you've kind of taken a hold of that, now take it a bit further that God doesn't just want some people blessed that you think are worthy of it, that God wants you blessed, that you, as in not just your wife, not just your husband, not just your kids, some parents want their kids to be blessed, but they don't think that they're worthy of it. They don't think that, they're, that, that God wants to do it for them, but because they love their kids, it's easy for them to think that God wants to bless their kids because they love their kids. So they're like, well, Lord, yes, bless my children because I love my children. But the, you maybe have a problem that you, you're, maybe your root problem is that you don't really understand how much God loves you. Maybe you have rejection issues. Maybe you have self-esteem issues. Maybe you don't think that God really loves you. You know that he loves your kids because you love them unconditionally. So it's easy for you to picture God loving them unconditionally. But because you don't love yourself unconditionally, because you think you're a screw up and a failure, it's hard for you to picture that God loves you unconditionally because you don't even love yourself. Because you've got hang-ups, because you've got rejection issues, you've got self-esteem issues, you've got self-hatred issues. And I'm telling you, that robs people. They don't mind the pastor being blessed. Well, if they've got a good heart, some demon, demonized people don't even want the pastor blessed. That's just because they're full of devils and they need to get saved, praise God. And even some Christians are, 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 are got such a religious devil that's oppressing them that, that, that they don't want the pastor blessed. But I don't think most of you or hardly any of I, I'll say by faith, none of you are in that category because you all seem to be happy when I tell you that God blessed me here or blessed me there, like with my home, praise God. You know, I think we've got the rats off the ship praise God, because there were people back years ago when we first started that if I got something new, if I got a new suit, people would get offended and leave the church. If I got a new house, my God, they'd leave the church and try to take half the church with them. But I think we got the rats, Taylor, off the ship. And I'm, I don't mean to be mean, but they are loved by God. They are precious, but their attitude and their belief system is so contrary to God's nature and God's word that their attitude is like a rat attitude. Do you understand? They're not rats, but they're, the way they think is the way a rat thinks, poor and in the gutter. And you got to get the rats out of the ship sometime. And so I think we got the rats out finally. And we've got people with good hearts that are happy when I prosper and are happy when their brothers and sisters around them prosper. And they don't turn green with envy and jealousy when they see somebody with a new, a new dress or a new purse. They're happy for them. And they're releasing their faith for God to do the same for them. I think most of you are like that, praise God. But listen, some of you are, are still 
you know, you might say pastor can get blessed and this person can get blessed and my kids, sure, I want God to bless them, but something about you is not computing. Something is not connecting. And because your own self uh, opinion, your own, the way you see yourself, you don't see, think you're worthy of it. So no matter what I preach, really what that is, my brother and sister, it seems like you're pious and like you're, oh, look how, what a, what a martyr I am. And you know, I really don't deserve to be blessed. And, and, and the devil will guise that as though you're so, you know, you're so pure motived and you're so holy and you're so that, but really that's, that's, that's a deception. Because that kind of behavior that thinks that God doesn't want to bless me, something's wrong with me, that means the heart, the soil of your heart is hard. That means that you've hardened because of these things, you've hardened it. And when the seed of prosperity comes from the incorruptible word of God, it can't get into your heart because you've decided that you are not part of that category. And no matter what I preach, it won't go down. We focus a lot on the stony ground and not being offended for the word's sake. We talk a lot about the thorny ground where you, where, where you got to deal with the cares and the worries of life and the motive of money. We deal a lot about that. We don't talk a lot about the hard ground, the first category. The seed can't even get in if you don't think that you're worthy of it. If you've just decided that you are going to be, you're from the wrong side of the tracks and you're just you know, I don't like to say this statement, but I don't know how else to say it, Taylor, because I don't, I don't like talking this way, but I don't know how else to say it. But you just think you're white trash. You know what I'm saying? I'm not talking about white, black, or any other color. I'm saying the attitude. You just think that I'm just trash. I know Dr. Hadabaugh. God has prospered him. The man is blessed, but he, he grew up in a trailer park. He didn't even have a house. His mother was, was broke. They were trailer trash, literally. I know Jesse DePlantis, who's one of the richest men in Louisiana. God's blessed his socks off. And not just from the ministry, let me tell you. He makes a lot more money from his businesses than he does the ministry. Because the blessing and the anointing to prospers on him. But you remember, he grew up broke. He grew up broke, 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 poor. I mean, poverty. And one day when he told his mama how he wanted, he said he wanted a certain thing. I won't get into it. But she slapped him across the face and she says, you're, I'm paraphrasing, but it was something along the lines of, you know, you're trash, we're trash, and you're always going to be trash, and you're never going to amount to anything. So don't even talk that way. And that's how he was raised. But just because you were raised poor or just because you have beaten yourself up that you, maybe you weren't raised poor, but you've just convinced yourself for whatever reason, or the devil's convinced you or others have convinced you that you're not worthy of it, I'm telling you something until you break that until you break up that attitude and open up your heart soil there's nowhere for the seed of the word of God to go in and cause change you've got to you've got to get the word in your mind and renewed and transformed where you believe that you individually with all your mistakes all your failures all the times you missed it all the times you let God down all the mistakes the bad decisions all of it put together you make a decision you say Lord with the big screw up that I am because of your holy precious and all-powerful blood and your mercy and your tender loving kindness you have washed it away. You see me through the blood. I'm your child. I am worthy of what your word says that I'm worthy of. And if you say you want me blessed, even though my mind fights it, people in my past have told me I don't deserve it. I've told myself I don't deserve it. I've made so many mistakes I've lost count. But if you tell me in your word that I'm worthy of it and that you want me blessed, I choose to side with your word. Not my mama, not my grandmama, not this person, not that person, not the circumstance, not my 
my own self, self uh, uh, you know, condemnation and all the failures I've made. I'm not going to side with any party, including my head. I'm going to side with your word. If your word tells me that you want me blessed, then by God, I'm going to believe it. And I'm going to be blessed from this moment forward. But you've got to get to that place where you take your mind and you say, shut up. If it doesn't line up with the word, I'm rejecting it. You've got to get to the place where you believe with all your heart that God Almighty wants to bless you. You, not just your kids. You, not just your mama. You, not just your pastor. You, not just your aunt and uncle. Not just your neighbors. Not just somebody else. You, he wants to bless you. But I've made mistakes. So what? The blood has taken care of it. I've, I've failed. So what? The blood has taken care of it. I'm not worthy. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. How do you say that I am? Because you're siding with something against the word. Your mind tells you you're not worthy, but the word tells you you are. People told you you're not worthy but the word tells you you are the devil tells you you're not worthy but the word tells you you are and I'm going with the word I'm not going with any other source I'm not going with any other voice including my own mind I'm not going with it I'm going with the word in Jesus mighty name this is a rescue to some of you I've got a, a lot more to say I didn't this wasn't in my notes but I heard the Holy Ghost rise up and say that hard ground and they don't even believe I want them blessed They'll never hear anything else you say. You've got to break up that hard ground with the hammer of the word of God. And I believe by the anointing right now, that power of God is going in your heart to break up that hard fallow ground so that you can receive the promise and the incorruptible seed of the word regarding your prosperity. But it will never get down if you don't want to receive it and you can't receive it if you think you're unworthy of it. If you think everybody else deserves it but you. I've made so many mistakes, I've lost count. Taylor's also made so many mistakes that he's lost count. <laughs> My wife hasn't made so many mistakes, she still counts them. <laughs> but some of us, we've made so many mistakes, we've made so many, we've let God down so many times. You gotta not think about that. You think about that, you'll go into an insane asylum. You've got to focus and meditate on his mercy, on his goodness. The Lord is good and his mercy, his mercy, his mercy endureth forever. The Lord is good. He's good to me. His tender loving kindness is over all his works and I'm one of his works. You've got to meditate not on your failures or on your lack of worthiness or on your rejection or on yourself, you, you know, your self-esteem. You've got to focus on the word. What did God tell you? Who did God say he wants you to be? And then if you can just accept that, he wants me blessed. Amen. Yes, he'll use me to be a blessing to others, but that can get religious also. Well, I'm only blessed so I can be a blessing. No, you're blessed because he loves you. And then you're blessed to be a blessing. You're not, you see, you got to, see, you see what I'm saying, how sly the devil is? It's not just that he wants to bless you for you to be a blessing. He wants to bless you because he loves you and you're worthy of it. You've got to first establish that fact. Then because our motives are pure and we don't want to hoard and just take everything ourselves, then of course the second part goes hand in hand with the first. Yes, he wants to bless me so that I am a blessing. But before you talk about being a blessing, why don't you just pause for a second about the fact that he wants to bless me because I'm worthy of it because I'm his child. 
I'm a child of royalty and I have a right to it and God wants me to have it. Until you get to that place, my brother and sister, none of the other stuff is going to get through and down into your heart because it's going to land on the surface, but you've decided that you're not worthy of it, so it can't go down. And then what does the Bible say? The birds come and pick it away. And Jesus told the disciples, the birds represent demons. So when I preach to you, if you can't receive what I'm saying, the seed of the word is on the top of your heart, but doesn't go inside. Devils will immediately come, demons, to snatch away and to cause you to forget and to cause you to reject, whether voluntarily or involuntarily, what I preach to you. So you've got to make sure that your heart is soft. One way the heart is hard is by you thinking that you don't qualify. And every human being qualifies because we're not preaching to an elite group, we're preaching to everybody. Everybody qualifies that God wants them individually blessed no matter what they've done, no matter what mistakes or bad decisions they've made, who they've hurt, how many marriages they've had, what kind of sins they've done. Now obviously you can't be willfully sinning all the time and not repenting. That's then, then, then you're just, you're crazy because this is all based on, on the, that you love God. And if you love God, you might miss it here and there. You might make mistakes here and there, but you love God. You're quick to repent when you sin and he washes you with his blood. And, and you keep meditating on the word, renewing your mind so that you don't keep sinning in the future. So this is not just for people that, have, that are nuts in their mind and that hate God and, or say they love God, but they want to just live like the devil. This, this, is, assumed, this is assumed that you understand that these are for, this is for people that love God. They're trying to live for God the best that they can, even though they do make mistakes. But even with all of their mistakes, because their heart's right, they are still worthy. They are still the recipient that God wants to bless them because his word says so. And you've got to get that so solid on the inside of you. You've got to. You've got to get it so solid on the inside of you. Can I, I can just see the anointing went different tonight. He just wanted me to focus on that to start. There's a lot more to come. And I'm telling you, you need to hear every bit of it. But remember I told you some time ago before COVID-19 had hit, I don't know when Wednesday night, I can't remember, it all blurs in my mind after a while. But I said at one point, I was talking to you about uh, me and I was being a bit transparent, which I don't really like being, but sometimes the Holy Ghost asks me to be. And I guess that's part of the job of being a pastor is that you have to be transparent. Other offices don't have to do that, but the pastor does. Um, and so I was transparently telling you about how, you know, I started really, I didn't realize it until my wife helped me see it, that I, I'd become a workaholic and that I didn't have joy unless I was working. And then when I had extra time, I felt out of fish out of water. I felt something's not right. I got to work. I got to work. I got to do something almost like a nervous energy. And, and I didn't know what it was. So I started to ask the counselor. I didn't go and sit on a couch and pay $300 an hour. I've got a counselor right in here. You see right in here in my spirit, man, the Bible even calls him the counselor, capital C. And he's smarter than any person that's got a degree, Christian or not Christian. I don't have to pay any money because that's part of my covenant rights because I'm a tither. Praise God. And even though I'm not a tither, it's still part of my covenant rights, but let's not go down that road right now. But it's part of my covenant rights. So I said, Holy Spirit, I don't even understand it. I just think I've got a good work ethic. I don't know what Jenny's problem is. I mean, she should be happy that I'm a hard worker. There's a lot of bums out there who don't want to get a job. You know, yeah, I try to turn it, Taylor. You try to tell God how your, your error is actually correct and how your wife who brought your error to your attention is actually needing his assistance. And so I started <laughs> going down that, 
very dangerous minefield and telling God why he needed to deal with Jennifer because she should be just grateful that she got a husband that wants to work and that isn't a lazy bum, because some are. And I, I'm a good provider for my family, and, and, and I, she should be grateful for that, and she is, of course. And the Lord turned it back on me and goes, this has got nothing to do with Jennifer, son. This has got to do with you. And she's 100% right in what she told you. You are a workaholic. Well, Lord, okay, so finally I had to accept that I was. Then I had to say, well, Lord, I don't understand. I'm going to renew my mind to that, but I don't need you to show me, but if you show me, it might help a little bit. Could you tell me where that came from? I don't need to know where it came from to just reject it, renounce it, renew my mind with the word and confess right, and then my actions will start to follow my confession. But if he wants to show it to me, I'm not going to fight him, and it would actually help. So I said, Lord, you want to talk to me about that? And he brought me back, and he said, he said he, and I, I love my dad. My dad's a good man. He's a very generous man. And I'm, I'm believing for his salvation before, you know, before his life ends, because he's not saved at this point. But I'm believing that he'll get there. Pray for him for me. His name is Ken. Pray for him. And for my stepmother, Gloriana, that the power of God would, would make Jesus so real to them. They watched our Easter Sunday, praise God. But anyway, uh, he's a very kind man and a very generous man in many ways. He's always been very generous. He's always been very wealthy and always been very generous to me. But, uh, but because he so desperately didn't want me to ruin my life, and he being a businessman and the president of the Toronto Stock Exchange for a season of time and making very high dollars in his life and in a very privileged position, you know, men of power, of wealth in our city were his close companions and he only knew what he knew because he's not saved he doesn't know the spiritual realm he only knows the mental realm and he did he wanted so bad because he's generous and he loves me he wanted me so bad to have a good life and for not to lack for money to always have an abundance like he did and he knew the only way he thought that he knew the only way about to get that was to do the kind some kind of work some kind of business like him and to work 14 hours a day which he did some days 12, some days 10, some days 14. But you work six days a week on average of 11, 12 hours a day for 30 years. You know, that's a good work ethic. And he saw that my heart was turning toward preaching. And all he knew was that preachers were either poor or they were shysters. They're either ripping people off and taking the people's money to get rich and lying about it, or they're church mice, broke, poor church mice. And he didn't want either of those for me. So he tried to talk me out of it. He tried to off, he said, if you do this, I'll help you with this. If you go to this school, if you do this, this is what your life could look like. And, and then I remember he would say to me, he says, now, you know, if you do this, you're never going to be able to afford nice things. You're never going to be able to afford a nice suit. You're never going to drive a nice car. You'll never live in a nice home because they lived in a beautiful home, multi-million dollar home. And he said, you'll never have, son, what I want you to have if you go down this road of this crazy nonsense preaching. You've got to do what I'm telling you or you'll never be rich. You'll never have the easy life. I don't want you to struggle with the hard life. And you're going to struggle with it. And, and he, so the seed came into me that poverty was going to be my future. And even though I rejected it in my mind, something went into my heart that was not good. And then on top of that, he would say, separate to that, he'd say, you better work hard. You see how hard I work? I have what I have because I work hard. There's no, there's no place for laziness if you're, if you're going to make money. You've got to have a good work ethic. So between those two things, which were technically separate issues, but he talked about them at the same time. 
about the, the you got to work really hard in, if you're going to have something. And if you go into the ministry, you're not going to have anything anyway, no matter how hard you work. So you got those two things and two seeds were planted in me. And all of a sudden, I, I, without realizing it, there was this drive really out of fear to work, 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 work. I didn't realize that it was because that fear came into me that if you don't work like a dog and basically be a workaholic, that you won't have anything. Do you understand? And then with this whole ministry thing, now I could reject that easier than the workaholic thing because he just doesn't know what he's talking about. He's in his mind. But I know what God's word says. And I know that if I follow the plan of God, God will bless me. So it doesn't matter what he says. I know that if I go into the ministry and I follow the plan of God, he will bless me. But, but because he had always told me that I'll be impoverished if I become a minister and a pastor, at the beginning of the ministry, no longer now, not for a long time, but at the beginning when we first started the church, there was a fear there because his words, the devil would bring his words up to me all the time. Remember, your dad said, you're not going to have anything nice, and you're not. You didn't listen to him. You didn't, the devil will misquote the word. He would say to me, you didn't honor your father. To honor your father, you shouldn't have gone in the ministry. You see how he misquotes that? And he said, now you didn't honor him. You didn't listen to him. He's wealthy. You're not. And exactly what he said is going to happen. You're going to be impoverished as a pastor. So at the beginning, there was a fear for that. So, the, so the, that fear crept in and, and I, I, I became kind of nervous about the offerings and oh my God, and, and, and certainly didn't want to, you know, let's be very careful what we spend on things and da, 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 da. Not that we're not cautious, but you can be fearful like that. And then when Dr. Dufresne came in my life, which he w was at the beginning, but it wasn't until about a year later that he talked to me about tithing, you know, that, that really, like the church tithing, I always tithe personally, but the church tithing, I mean, I, I've still got this kind of, a little bit of remnant of that fear about the church may not work and I might be impoverished and blah, blah, blah. So how on earth are we going to now give 10% of the church's income? I mean, that's the last thing you want to do when you've been afraid. But when I started tithing, it broke whatever, because I'd been withstanding that fear that my father had put in me about being an impoverished minister. I'd been standing against that, but the little tiny remnant that was there broke when I started tithing from the church because I stepped into another level of the covenant when I didn't just tithe personally, but I tithed from the church and all that stuff was gone. And then we started seeing the blessing of the Lord, the blessing of the Lord, the blessing of the Lord. And the church started growing and the offering started growing and I was finally able to take a proper salary and, and be blessed and hire staff. So praise God, all that Fear of poverty wasn't there, but you see, I never dealt with that workaholism thing because that fear that you have to work almost to death to get something, I had dealt with the poverty, but I had not dealt with that. And so that carried forward, that kept working in my life until I'm talking about just a couple years ago, maybe not even a couple years ago, where Jenny said, there's something wrong with you. For you to work this hard all the time, it's not normal. You, 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 you're like driven. And you know the church is blessed, and you know the poverty thing is broken, and you know that God's, why are you doing this? If, if, you're, if everything is okay, why are you driven like this? I don't know why. Holy Spirit counselor, teach me why. And he taught me, he's so kind to me. He said, I'll show you, son. He took me back. I heard the words. I was sitting on the couch watching golf. I remember he brought me the scene all back. My dad had his arm around me. He loved me. He just didn't understand the things of the spirit. I'm not mad at him. He tried his best. He wanted to make sure I didn't lack, but he didn't realize that his words caused great damage. God took me back to that couch in that den, watching that golf with his arm around me. And I saw that fear come into me which manifested in workaholism. And so I started to speak to it. 
And I says, no, you don't. I caught you, foul devil. And I'm talking to that thing that's oppressing me. I caught you, you foul devil. I know where you entered. And you've been, you've been driving me and driving me and driving me all these years. Now I'm telling you, in the name of Jesus, you take your hands off me. I believe when I speak to you that I will have what I say. I believe when I command you to leave me, I don't doubt in my heart, but I believe that you will leave me and I'll have what I say. Now I command you to take your claws out of my mind and I command you to get off my property. My body is my property and my physical property is my property. Now you get out and you don't ever come back. And from that day forward, it slowed, it didn't, it took time, but the change. Now that, see that the driving element of that demon is gone, but my mind, Taylor, is not renewed. I'm now so used to workaholism, even though the driving force is left, I still takes time to renew my mind with the word to have a normal schedule. And I would say, I'll, I remember would meet the staff, I'm going to take a day off and I'd do it for about a month and then I'd quit it. And then God would deal with me. Uh, uh, okay, guys, I'm sorry. I'm going to take a day off. And I'd do it for three months, and then I'd quit it. I'd go back to working six, sometimes seven days a week. And so, but it's, so I, I failed a lot of times, but the driving force was gone. The demon left when I commanded it to leave. It came on that couch. But it left when I told it to leave. Thank God for the dominion of the believer. Thank God we've been taught to answer it. You don't know how blessed you are to be in a church that's teaching you these precious gems. But, the, but the, the, my thoughts were so geared to that. It was, a, it was a, the behavior. It was trained behavior. So even though the driving demonic spiritual element had left, I had to now renew and transform my mind with the word so that the behavior, the pattern, the routine that I was in would change. And it took time. But it is changing. Praise God, it is changing. I, I can honestly say, and you can ask my wife, she'll tell you, I am not the same person that I was back 18, 24 months ago when God started dealing with me about this. I'm still on a journey. I'm not quite there yet, but I have come a long way in renewing my mind to the fact that I don't need to work myself to the bone and be afraid that the church will fail because my confidence and my faith is not in my ability to work. It's in God's ability to hold this church together because he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He's building promise of life. I don't have to work seven days a week worrying if it's going to come through properly or not. I'm changing. I'm being transparent to you because I'm trying to let you know something. In an area in my life, I had to get God to help me. I had to rebuke the devil. I had to start renewing my mind with the word and intentionally making changes to my routine and my behavior in that area of workaholism. Now, if you just, I'm telling you that story so that you can bring the parallel now as I close. If you've got something in your mind and your heart that you have just, you maybe don't know why it came, when it came, but it's just there and you've just got this blockage that I don't, I don't mind God blessing others, but I'm just not worthy of it. I, my self-esteem, my self-hatred, my self-loathing, my whatever, I don't know. I made mistakes. I don't know, I don't know where it comes from, but I just really don't. I don't want God to bless me. I don't think I'm worthy of God blessing me. I don't think God can bless me. I don't think he should bless me. This is good for everybody else, but it's not really good for me. I'll just say amen, amen, amen when Pastor Craig's preaching, but it's not going into my heart. It's on the surface because I won't let it in my heart because I don't think I'm worthy of it. 
Now, if that's you, just like with me with the workaholism, you've got to go to the counselor. You've got to say, Holy Ghost, help me. If you don't show me, it will still change because I'm going to speak. If there's a spirit involved, I'm going to speak to it and it will leave me. And I'm going to renew my mind to the fact that God loves me and he wants me blessed. No matter what I've done, he wants me blessed. I'm going to renew my mind. It might be a journey, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to get to the point where I totally believe that God wants me blessed, that these seeds of the word don't just lie on the surface for the devil to pick it away, but they go deep down and they produce a harvest for me. But Lord, if you want to actually show me where and when that problem showed up in my life, like you did with pastor, you took him back to that couch. If you want to show me that, great, it'll help. But I don't need you to show me to be free. Are you hearing to me? This is very, very important what I'm telling you. You don't need God to show you the origin in order to be free. It helps to know, but it is not required. You don't have to stumble along now because God didn't take you back and show you the, the place and time where that thing entered in or multiple occasions where it happened. You don't need him to show you that in order to be free. It helps, but it's not required. What is required is for you to take the mirror of the word, look at it and say, Father, your word says this. I have struggled with believing it. My mind is messed up about it. I don't know why I've got this problem, but I'm going with your word. Now, if there's a demon spirit involved that is causing me to think this way, I commend you, loose your grip on my mind in Jesus' name. And believe when you say it, it will obey you. And then say, Father, I now make my decision that with my thoughts, I'm going to govern my thoughts. I'm going to control my behavior by the help of the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to renew my mind and transform my mind with your word. And my thoughts are going to be different. And my routine is going to be different. And my behavior is going to be different. And I am going to choose to trust your word. And I'm going to start to say, the Lord wants me blessed. The Lord is interested in my prosperity. I'm worthy of his blessing. I'm worthy of increase. I'm not worthy because I'm so great. I'm worthy because he's so great and his blood has taken care of my failures. I believe, I believe. See, you're starting to say it. Now you're starting to believe it. Now you're starting to think it. Are you hearing me? You're starting to say it. You're starting to believe it. You're starting to think it. As a man thinks in his heart what he believes and says with his mouth, so is he. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. You start to say it. You start to believe it. You start to think it. Your mind starts to change. And everything starts to come into alignment with God's word. He doesn't have to take you back like he took me back in order for you to be free. If he does, fine. But if he doesn't, you can still be completely free from wrong thinking. If you'll just side with the word. And if you'll just start to confess what God says over you. And I'm telling you that I didn't know that would be the assignment tonight. I had a lot of other things to say, which we'll get to on Friday, but that's what God wanted tonight. He wanted you to hear. For those of you that had that hard ground, not because you're a bad person and you don't love God and you're hard-hearted against God, not that kind of hard ground, but it's still hard ground because you've decided that you're not worthy of God to bless you. And because of that self-loathing, insecurity, rejection, whatever you want to call it, because of that attitude that God will bless others, but not me. Because of that, your heart, your ground is hard. And the seed, the precious seed that I've been preaching you is gone. The devil's taking it. Gone. The devil's taking it. It won't go down because you have not renewed your mind that God wants you blessed. He loves you and he wants you blessed. And just like I had to renew my mind to workaholism, you might have to renew your mind to the fact that God wants you blessed. Praise God. Would you do it, my brother and sister? Would you do it? Would you do it? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mashta, I just heard the Holy Ghost say to me in my spirit, there's a lady that is concerned. I know who you are, but I don't know if I should say your name. 
but you've concern. In fact, to narrow it down so you know that I'm talking to you, lady, you called a day or two ago to our prayer line, to, to, to the church to give a prayer request. And you told, the, you told them, whoever you talked to, that the prayer request was about one of your sons who was being very difficult and difficult to raise and rebellious and disobedient and that you were discouraged and that you needed wisdom how to raise your son. Now, now does that narrow it down, lady? Do you know who I'm talking to now? That's, I'm talking to you, that you, you asked for that prayer request. And we're praying for you, by the way. But I, I just heard the Holy Ghost say this to me about you. I just heard it just as clear as a bell. I heard him say, tell her, but I'm not going to say your name. I heard him say, tell her that the counselor on the inside of her will show her the answers on the raising of that son. Like the counselor on the inside of you, son, showed you the answers to your workaholism. The counselor lady on the inside of you knows exactly what to do for that son, knows exactly the methods that you should employ, knows exactly how hard you should be and how soft you should be, what, how, what angle you should come at, what angle you shouldn't come at. Because parenting, you can read all the books, we've read all the books, but I'm telling you, parenting is such an evolving process and every child is so unique with such a unique bent. You need the Holy Ghost wisdom. You need the divine wisdom of God on individual cases with individual kids and how to raise them. There's general things in the word you, you don't need them to counsel you on, but there's a lot of specifics about that individual child that you need God to help you so that you'll get through to their heart and not just drive them away. So lady, I heard him say that. I'm giving you, a, I could say, thus saith the Lord, but you know what I'm saying. I'm speaking to you by the spirit. I'm prophesying to you. The counselor on the inside of you will teach you how to deal with that boy, how to help that boy, how to raise that boy. The same as the counselor helped me with my problem. What you need to do is pray more in the Holy Ghost and stop worrying about him. Stop being upset and, and, and nervous and angry about how bad things are going. And you need to start fasting. Yeah, did you hear me? I said fasting as the Holy Ghost leads you. You need, because any serious emergency requires fasting. I'm telling you, you need to start fasting and praying in the Holy Ghost. Much elongated seasons of praying in the Holy Ghost. And I don't mean for no five minutes either. I'm talking hours. Because something of that magnitude and that nature and that complexity is going to take a number of hours seeking God, pouring your heart out to God and praying and, and interceding in the Holy Ghost with fasting. And I'm telling you, if you'll do that, the counselor, because you're praying out the mystery that you don't know, you don't know how to solve it, that you're praying out the mystery. Now the counselor on the inside of you who knows the answer from the mind of the father, who knows exactly what you need for that boy and how to raise that son, the answer will come up and your mind will be illuminated and you'll know. You'll have a divine strategy straight from heaven and you'll know exactly what to do and you'll be completely in control and completely calm. Now, lady, I don't know if you realize, but God's just given you a rescue through me from that word. So you do that. Start tomorrow. Start to fast and pray. Fast as the Spirit of God leads you. The length of time you pray should be as the Spirit of God leads you. Don't get legalistic, but you need to start stepping it up in your prayer life and not getting so mental about it and so angry about it and worried about it. Just deal with it in the Spirit. The Holy Ghost will show you what to do. He's a wonderful counselor. He's a wonderful counselor. Holy Spirit, where would we be without you? Holy Spirit, tonight, even though it wasn't what I expected, you, 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 you brought rescue to people that don't think they're worthy and that they deserve you to bless them. And I thank you 
The counselor is inside them like he's inside me. And as he's helped me in my problems, he'll help them in theirs. And sometimes he'll take them back and show them where that mess came in their mind. And other times he won't. But it doesn't matter because as long as they start to confess, bind the devil, tell him to leave them and start to speak the word, speak as God sees them, confess over them the way God sees them in the word and just begin to speak it and confess it. They'll start to believe it. They'll start to renew their mind with it. And Holy Spirit, you'll start to change who they are. You'll change them. And all of a sudden, they'll start to believe, I'm worthy of this. God wants to bless me. Yes, to be a blessing, but first, because he loves me and he wants to bless me. And doesn't matter what anybody else says or what they've told me in the past. I'm not a loser. I'm not a failure. I'm not rejected. I don't have low self-esteem. I see myself in Christ. I'm worthy of all that God has for me because he loves me and he wants to bless me. Not just pastor, not just my kids, me. And as you meditate and confess, I'm telling you, the counselor will help you and you'll start to believe it. And then the seed that we're talking about prosperity will be able to go down deep, take root, praise God. And you'll see it will work for you. Some of you have been struggling to make ends meet for so long. One of the reasons is not because we haven't taught you the word. It's because you can't receive the word because you see yourself as a failure and as unworthy to receive this kind of preaching. And that's a lie of the devil. It comes with the guise of religiosity, but it's a, it's a dark lie of Satan himself. God wants to bless you. Hallelujah. When I pick this up on Friday, we're going to look at some scriptures together to show you how much it says in the Bible. It says it so much. And I'm only gonna share a little portion of them. There's many more that I don't have time to share, but I'm gonna show you scriptures, biblical proof, how much he wants to bless you. And that seed of the word's gonna go in and it's gonna start to work for you. Some of you that have struggled for finances for a long time, season's about to change, my brother and sister. I'll say this as I close. I don't like to give personal information, and I won't, but I'll say this. My wife and I made some mistakes years ago with investments, lost a lot of money, a lot of money, and have been paying back for a long time. And it didn't look like it was possible to get that final bit of debt gone until next year, because with our home last year, it took, a, it took money that we planned on using for debt cancellation to get into the home and to buy the furniture, but God told us to do it. So we were in the perfect will of God. But it looked like it wasn't gonna happen until 2021. And the word of the Lord came to me and, and Jennifer in January. And the Lord said to me, this is your Hebron season. This is your year of takeoff. And he said, this is the year you will, I want you to believe me to get completely debt free. I said, but Lord, we're using every available penny to do what we need to do, but it's just not possible, Father. You know it's not possible. In the natural, it's not possible. It's gonna have to wait till next year. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, you don't know how right now, son. You don't know how I'm going to do it. You don't need to understand how I'm going to do it. So stop getting in your mind about it. Just agree with me. Just start to say, this is my year. This is my Jubilee year. Remember Jubilee? The debts were canceled. This is my Jubilee year. This is my Hebron year. This is my year of takeoff. There won't be any baggage, any weights or hindrances of debt while I take off. I'm taking off debt free. I said, but Lord, how? See, we are so human. Me just like you. Honestly, we're idiots sometimes. I said, but Lord, how? He kept saying to me, stop worrying about how. 
You don't need to understand how I'm going to do it. You just need to agree with what I've told you and just start to say and then let your heart connect with your mouth. Believe what you say. Because remember, it doesn't work if you don't believe what you say. So I just started saying it. To be honest with you, I didn't believe it at first. <laughs> I didn't believe it at first. I just was making an empty confession. But at least I started, Lord, I thank you. This is my debt for a year. Yeah, right. I was honestly thinking, yeah, right. But I said, Lord, thank you. This is my desk for a year. And I'd, in my mind, I'd be like, what a joke. It's impossible. It's impossible. Lord, I believe. But over about 300 times later, my heart started to click with my words. And I started to actually believe. Yeah, Lord, I don't know how it's going to happen. But you know what? Bless God. This is my debt for a year. This is my year of takeoff, my year of jubilee. I believe, I believe. I had no idea, no clue, no concept. If you had asked me in January that God was going to ask me to do another business, just a couple hours, not very, he won't let me spend a lot of time because I have to focus on the ministry. But if you had told me in January God was going to give me another business that was going to help be a secondary income to my family and that would help us get out of debt, I would have told you that you're smoking some good dope. And it's legal in Canada, don't you know? <laughs> not that you should take advantage of that. Praise God, it's wrong. I would have said, what dope are you smoking? That's not possible. I'm never going to have a business. I'm a preacher. I, I'm a single man vision. I, Dr. Dufresne might have and others might have. Jerry might have. But not me. I'm just pure with the, I'm just pure preaching. That's all I'm ever going to do. I had no idea that during an epidemic, a pandemic called Devil 19, that God would visit me in Niagara Falls. We were the only person in that wretched, in that wretched embassy suites. I mean, everyone's afraid of the devil. They're afraid to touch anything. And we're the only crazy people in embassy suites. But my, Jenny and I go there as a little honeymoon once in a while. And while she's sleeping, I'm praying. And God visited me in that room and he gave me a business. He downloaded it. He told me what to do. He told me how to do it. And he gave me scripture to back it up. If you had said that to me in January, I would have said, there's no way. And now I see as God is blessing. Now God can do it from any other sources, not just that. But now I understand why he said, don't figure out how you're going to get out of debt, son. Just start to say, I'm debt free. Now we don't have a lot of debt. Don't get me wrong. But there's just some remnants from years past that we got to finish up. And the Lord said, you don't have to worry. You don't have to be concerned. You don't have to know how it's going to happen. Just start to say and believe what you say. This is my year of jubilee. This is my year of debt free. And I said that quite a lot before God started to show me the avenue by which he was going to help me get out of debt. Now, God can still use other avenues to get me out of debt, but I know that this little side cottage, little industry business, nothing major, just small, but this little thing with his blessing on it is going to help be another revenue stream so that my family can truly say by December 31st, we, uh, other than our home, which we're the next thing is to believe for our mortgage to be paid off. But other than that, we are debt free. Praise God. See, I, I didn't see how that was possible, but the anointing is on me to prosper. And I've just got to start to say it. I've just got to start to believe it. And then it will come to pass. If you'll just stop thinking, trying to figure out how God's going to do it. And if you just start to say, yes, I'm going to be debt free. Yes, I'm going to have my new home. Yes, I'm going to have a, another car. Yes, I'm going to have that. Yes, I'm going to have that, uh, that promotion in my job. I don't know how. I have no idea how, but that's half the adventure. Faith is something things hope for the evidence of things not seen. I don't know how. I don't see how, but I just believe. I let my heart agree with my mouth. Jesus, this is my jubilee year. This is my Hebron year. This is my increase year. This is my takeoff year. The anointing of 
is on me to prosper this year and I'm breaking through. I don't know how, I don't know when, and I don't know from where, but Father, that's your side. My side is just to believe you. You will come upon me at the right time. You will move situations around to get to me at the right time, but it will surely come to pass because my heart and my mouth agree and I'm saying it and I believe it. This is my year. If you do that, my brother and sister, like you may have no idea how God's going to do it. Like I had no idea. God will do something miraculous and he'll get it over to you. And before you know it, you'll be swimming in the blessing. At first it was ankle, then knee, then hip. But now you're in waters to swim in where you're swimming in blessing and you're out of debt. And not only do you have the car that you want, but now you've got money to go and help somebody else in the congregation. They get them the car that they want. And now not only do you have that beautiful new house and lawn, but now you can help somebody with a down payment for their home. I'm telling you, it's not just to bless you, it's to be a blessing to other people. You've got money in your pocket to sow and help Africa. You've got money to help us buy a building. And I don't just mean this building, there's another building that's much larger than this one that we have got to start thinking about and believing God for because we've got, we need 11 million to buy another building. Maybe some of you, God will bless you, you'll swim in that blessing and you'll write me a check for a million dollars or two million dollars and you'll say pastor this is my supply this is my supply for the new 11 million dollar building that God wants promise of life to have don't say it's not possible the lady with the ocular thing thought it wasn't possible but he, she had a right heart she believed it was for her and God downloaded an invention in her dreams why does God didn't God love her more he doesn't love her more than you he loves us the same she just positioned herself to believe it now position yourself to believe with me it's your year if you're in it's your year to get out. If you don't have a home, it's your year to get something new, whether it's a condo, a home, whatever. Whatever you need, your specific case, it's your year to get it. If you don't have a vehicle, it's your year to get it, praise God. If you're in debt, it's your year to get out, praise God. This is our Hebron year. It is our year with the anointing on us to prosper, and we are breaking through, and we don't have to understand where, when, or how it's going to happen. We just simply agree and speak and let our heart agree with our mouth we believe what we say will come to pass and we'll have what we say. And before you know it, you'll be swimming in blessing and you'll be looking at me saying, my God, Pastor Craig, this works. I can't believe this works. This actually works. But it all starts with that attitude that I'm not worthy. Not me, somebody else, but not me. You got to break that hard ground. Otherwise the seed can't get into your heart. You are worthy. Get the counselor to help you. Heavenly Father, I stretched my hands out. I know it was longer, but that was what the Holy Ghost wanted, and I refused to apologize for the time. I was in the perfect will of God tonight in everything I said, even the length. I stretched my hands out toward them. Stretch your hands out toward me, congregation. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, whoever is struggling with this sense of rejection, self-hatred, self-loathing, insecurity, low self-esteem, feeling they're not worthy. Father, let them be mature enough to recognize it first and acknowledge their need of help. Let your anointing go right now and begin to break up that hard ground. Start to reveal to them. I know you've been doing it while I'm preaching, even as they sleep. Tomorrow, Friday as I continue, continue to reveal to them that, Father, that's not the truth, that they are worthy of it.
Let them start to rebuke that thing, rebuke that evil spirit if, it's, if there's one present. Whether you take them back to where the origin point was or not, let them start to say and let their heart agree with their mouth that God wants me blessed. I'm worthy of Abraham's blessing, not just for salvation, but for all the blessing of Abraham. He took my poverty and my curse so that I would be made rich. I'm worthy of it. It's mine. Lord, if they'll start to say it and believe it, that seed that I'm preaching will go down deep. I thank you right now, Holy Ghost, you help them in this. Counselor, great counselor, Holy Ghost, help them in this. I bless them. I impart healing and transformation power in Jesus' name. Let the power of the anointing change the way they think, Father. I give you praise for it, and I give you thanks. In the mighty name of Jesus.